Welcome back to the first Guildhall School Events podcast of the 2014 autumn term. Today I'm joined by cast and crew from True Dare Kiss, our opening drama in Milton Court Studio Theatre. With me today are director Owen Lewis, sound designer Neville Billamoria, lighting designer Jack Weir, Alice Walkling, set and costume designer, and actors Niall Ransom and Katrina McKeever. I think we'll probably start with Owen. Um, okay. True Dare Kiss, is it fair to say that it's not a particularly commonly done play? Yeah, I'd never come across it before we, we started talking about doing it here. Uh, I don't know why, it's actually, it's got lots of meat on its bones. It's, uh, I suspect, it, what we've discovered in rehearsal is that there's a lot more to it than first meets the eye. So I think at a sort of a, a cursory glance, if you're flicking through it, it's... Um, uh, it, it's hard. It doesn't seem quite as deep and as complex on first read. I suspect uh, there's lots of short scenes that that it's quite televisual in nature, jumping from location to location, um, and it yeah it moves very swiftly. It's got, uh, it's got a large cast, um, and uh, it's just as we've been excavating it, we've discovered it's absolutely round. And there's there's a, a maybe a scene that's a minute and a half that at first glance you think is just a throwaway chat between two people. But once you look at it in the context of the whole journey of the play and the characters and what's actually happening, there's just so much to juggle. So actually we're enjoying it and finding it a really rich play. Um, but no, it's a very good play. I don't know why it, it isn't done that often. And it's um it's it's part of a trilogy, is it not? And it's written in nineteen eighty three. It is, yeah. Um, part of the Red Devils trilogy. So how does it fit into into that one? Well, it's uh, writers uh, a lady called Debbie Horsfield, who famously wrote um or who wrote a very successful TV drama called Cutting It. Uh, it was um, about hairdressers in Manchester, and. Um, she went on to that after this. She's now a successful TV writer. It feels quite televisual. Um, and this was her first project. So Red Devils was her first play that she wrote. Um, and uh, it's just a cast of four, four girls um, coming of age, about 18, 19, in Manchester in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and then she developed it in True Dare Kiss, and it's got a cast of probably about uh, 16 to 20, maybe, that we do with 10 actors. Um, and yeah which we <laughs> people playing lots of different parts which is yeah. great fun um, and so this is the middle of the trilogy and they all, they all stand alone but the, yes, the first part was just the four leading girls and they carry on into the second play uh, and it's about their journey but we see much more of their life and their their challenges uh, the Moss Side Riots um, that whole that whole sort of period of early 80s Manchester mass unemployment um, and, and how each four of them have four separate journeys through that so it's, is it fair to say it's not particularly cheerful? Oh, it's funny. There's, got, there's <laughs> lots of fun in it, yeah. It's, um, it, it's, there's a sort of a dark background and some, a sort of a dark undercurrent. Um, there's some cri- you know, crime and rioting. Uh, but also there's a, it's quite a redemptive storyline. It, it's about four of these girls trying to find their way through it. And, of course, some of them find their way through it better than others. Um, but it's also the unity of the four girls that helps them through it. Uh, and that's one of its strengths, I think, is that it's four. There are four key parts for for women, uh, and it's led, it's driven by these this relationship between the four girls, um, which is really exciting. There aren't enough plays with with uh, with good lead parts for young women. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Katrina, are you playing one of the lead the lead roles? Uh, yeah, I'm playing Beth, uh, uh, who's okay. one of the girls in the. 
quartet. In the quartet. Yeah. Um, and what is it like having a having a production that's sort of female led with four four female leads? Is it quite different from from I don't know your average play to for it to be set up like that? It's incredible. I really I really really enjoy it, and I was really excited whenever I read the play and I saw that it was really led by by these by these four women. Um, and through the through the trilogy, you see them progress from from girls into women, so to speak. Um, and it's it's mostly a female cast that we have. There's only there's only three guys, only three and then seven girls. And all of us are. I don't. I think there's two two of us who are from London. The rest of us are kind of from the north. I'm Northern Irish. We've got people from outside London. Um, and there's a real different atmosphere than anything I've done before in rehearsal room. I went into the for for open house um, London the, the other day. I went into re- we got to go into rehearsals for South Downs and the Browning version, mm-hmm. and it was almost exclusively boys in there. Yeah. And I wondered what happened to all the girls, and they're all in this play, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, Niall, you're you're one of the. Um, not one of the four girls. No, <laughs> no, no just, just to confirm, you're not one of the four girls. Um, so does that mean that you have to take on quite a lot of roles? Because I know that Owen said that you had sort of. I do 17. play. I do play quite a few in this. Yeah, but I think that adds to, again, the, the, the way the the play works because it's very quick. Like the way she's written this play is almost like a a television series within itself, like. A scene about two characters trying to drink a cup of tea becomes so much more than that, really. Um, but yeah, it's. I think. I think that's one of the good things about it that you have many different characters within this mm. within this play, but quite a small cast. I think it's sort of it's a challenge, but it's quite it's an exciting one. I think. Yeah, it never it never it never stops. It never it it's always going. It's very it's very musical in its nature in that it. It has an amazing pace to it, and once it starts, it's uh, it's like it's off. You can never sit down during the play. I think for all of us, you're pretty much always on your feet, whether that's on stage, backstage. Does that does that prove hard when you're if you're doing quite a lot of roles to sort of get your head into the next role uh, before you go out there? Yeah, it can be because I mean, you it, it sort of splices up your different journeys really because if you play multiple characters you have different journeys throughout that play and it's sort of like we've always said while doing this it's like loads of little players have all been smushed together to make one play and in a way that's that's sort of the same with all players but um, I think it's that mining for detail like in every single scene finding out what matters and finding out what what it is these characters are trying to say because it's very subtext driven that you know you you then can be confident within those journeys and be able to just pick it up and be like, right, now I'm on this journey. And then the next scene, you're in a completely different journey, but it's all sort of pushing towards the same thing. It's interesting that you mentioned sound just then because we've got sound designer Neville Benamoria here with us. Um, And I was going to ask you, Neville, about the the sound design for the play. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 1980s Manchester is quite a sort of rich time for um, their musical culture along with sort of Liverpool and that sort of northwest area. Um, How have you sort of approached that that sound design? Owen made some very specific choices at the beginning about how we would go about it, about the sort of music that we would look at. There's a wealth of music to, to choose from, a wealth of 80s music, but we decided to limit it to 
music that could be played at the time, um, very, very specifically. The, um, the play we, is set, the, Act 1 is set in 1980, and Act 2 is set in 1981, which ruled out, um, pretty much new, ruled out New Order, uh, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, all these great bands that originally we got excited at, about because they're all mid 80s, aren't they? So we went we went deeper. So it's people like Joy Division, um, and uh, well, the Cure, who are early yeah. Cure stuff, Susie and the Banshees. Uh, though it's not Manchester, but that sort of period, there's a really rich. Um, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't have been madness. exclusively listening to bands from no. Manchester no. in Manchester, no. but they would have been part of the part of the scene. Indeed, indeed, and but it's it's also that there is there is a, a distinctive sound. There is a a nice sound that we can go for that, that, that adds to it almost. What we are doing is splicing tracks together, so we're sort of taking the bits that work best for us. Um, and we're also, I mean, the continuous discussions that Owen and me are having, we're amazed by how different the pieces sound at different points in them, um, and how, how different certain bands sound, and how, how you, you start to, when you spend so much time listening to music from such a short period, you start to find links between them and the sort of ska influences on on various people through through that time based on where they're based um, and you know what they were probably listening to um, but it's it, the 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 cinematic feel of the of the show as a whole means that there are there is a lot of music in it there is a lot of sort of scene changes and we're trying to to aid the process of going from one scene to another as as fluidly as possible now we've we've talked a lot about sound, but we've also got lighting designer Jack Weir here. Um, you're a student in the technical theatre course as well. I am. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a little bit easier, I think, from my point of view, to to investigate sound because you have a lot of you know um, sort of CDs and tracks that you can just refer to. But how do you approach the lighting? It's quite interesting because lots of lots of it is set in uh, very very different areas right from right from the first production meeting. Uh, it was very clear that we were there were scenes in a nightclub, there was a scene in an alleyway, and that kind of opens up like a wealth of things that you can explore. Um, so I started looking at images and reference pictures of nightclubs in the 80s and alleyways and kind of, you know, just trying to realise and make those spaces different. And whilst whilst I've been in rehearsals and whilst it's being, it's being blocked, it's very clear that there are these definitive areas of the space that we need to light. So I guess that's probably the biggest challenge and it's also making that believable as well. There are probably 52 scenes, which is a lot yeah. for a play, yeah. uh, a hell of a lot. <laughs> and they jump from, uh, as Jack says, nightclub, alleyway, domestic front room, um, a field, back to <laughs> a toilet in the nightclub, to uh, then open up to the major light. You know, then they keep changing from vast to, to um, vast open spaces to interiors. So mm. that's been a real pressure on Jack to say, you know, could you could you do that? These different probably about 30, 30 different environments we go to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, in a baptism of fire, so to speak, for the first first production of the year. Um, it's interesting. We've got Alice Walkling here, who's the set and costume designer. Um, we've got thirty different types of scenes. Um, did that sort of inform the way that you designed the set? Def yeah, absolutely, definitely. We our first reference. We started looking at the Moss Side Riots, didn't we? Images. Mm -hmm. Um, we found some really great images of burnt out buildings, they were almost kind of just the structures, so we started from there. Um, we wanted to create a sort of alleyway, a sort of detritus and, and rubbish behind this scab structure, 
some of those things that are behind in the alleyway are used in the scenes and some of them aren't. Um, and there's a real journey throughout the play. It's all st starts quite minimal. And then by the end of the play, we just see the detritus of their lives covering this scaff structure. Like Camden at 4 a.m. That's a, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> short, short uh, we're all used to that. <laughs> uh, and it must have been quite fun um, designing the costumes as well. Yeah, it's great. It's a great period. And also such a range of different characters as well. There's you know, some that are very fashionable 80s, some that are kind of more area on the 70s, students, um, slight hippie, hippy-dippy types. So yeah, costumes have been fantastically fun. Yeah, And, and costumes that I, I assumed that people uh, coming to the play will recognise if you've ever been out in the East, East London. That's right, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of... Lot of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah, so a lot great. of... Um, a lot of that going on now, isn't it? And, and you've been the one wearing those costumes. Yeah, the thing. So have you enjoyed really sort of <laughs> getting all dolled up or whatever it <laughs> whatever it involves? Kat's got a um, especially nice gorilla outfit. Yes, I do. That'll be the highlight. We're all wearing gorilla costumes. <laughs> Everyone will be coming for the pink gorilla. Um, I'm. I find it hilarious because a lot of the costumes that I'm wearing as Beth are things that I would wear or things people wouldn't realise that it's a costume because I'm very <laughs> like I wear a lot of like punky type things anyway there's like ripped jeans and Beth is quite different from the other girls style wise is she she has a bit more of an edge she's, she's a, li a little bit of a female skinhead isn't she yeah except she has hair yeah. So. Yeah. Account, she contrasts. So, so there's a character who runs a, a hair salon, and she is quite she she. So we're having lots of she, the contrast is she's all shoulder pads and uh, mm, and big belts and yeah power dressing, which is lovely. So I mean, there's the, one of the great things about that that crossover sort of seventy nine eighty eighty one is it's as you as Alice was saying that you've got sort of it, hangovers from the seventies and the eighty the that rich craziness of the 80s is starting you know, they've discovered synthesizers uh, but you're now putting synthesizers with rock bands so they're experimenting with that and, you, and uh, people it was really rich because people went for it they were, it's out there if they were going to use colour in fashion they were going to be they were going to use bright colours they were going to have big shoulder pads glitter shiny trousers if they wanted it I mean it was kind of bonkers and, and it, it wasn't demure and quiet so there's lots of there's lots of uh, colour both in the costumes the sound um, the attitudes quite know. an experimental age yes I would, yeah. I would say yeah. sort of strutting a yeah. strutting yeah. Yeah. so many different characters as well like it's constantly so in and out well. it's just like this weird blur of colour because mm. so I mean I think each person in the cast has about five or six different costume changes yeah. and they're all mad but brilliant the four girls <laughs> the four girls are so different even though they're unified and love Manchester United and that's kind of what brought them together as well is that it's almost like four different as four different views into that time period yeah. because they're so different um, so you have Nita who's very glamorous and has the shoulder pads so people who people will recognise that and then Beth who is quite punky quite edgy and then Phil who goes to university so has a different style and Alice very demure housewife so there's that. It's quite interesting, I think. Um, the final question for the actors. Um, it's your first public ticketed performance as a final year actor. Obviously, we had last year's cohort now um, gone on to bigger and better things. Um, how are you feeling about performing to the public for the first sort of 
time that they're going to be paying to come and come and watch you at the school. Are you quite excited? Do you do you feel that you've there's some pressure there or? or I mean, what? I'm really excited. I think obviously there's there's a different in third year. There's sort of an added. Or people would say that there's an added pressure, but you're always told to sort of just see it as a year of performing with a company of actors you know and can work so well with. And I think that's really exciting. Like, mm. we've got some great players over the next year. And again, yeah, it's just, you, you're not, you don't really have the time, I think, to worry. Because you're sort of off, you end second year, and before you know it, you're sort of rehearsing and rehearsals and getting into that can be so intense in itself yeah. that it just doesn't really give you the time to get nervous about it. You just sort of do it. The, two, the, the first two years of the training is almost you, you are in this little bubble where you're thinking inward and constantly, you know, you're in such intense training all the time. And now it's opened up a bit, which is really exciting. It's not, it's not scary. It's more like, I can't wait to share this with people outside. Mm. Um, and I can't wait for people to come and see. And you have so many more uh, people around you to learn from, and there's people mm. from outside, directors from the outside, and it's it's being done. It's a professional show. And then you work with people on costume and light and sound and stage manager team, and you know it, it's great because it becomes more of a a fuller picture. Mm-hmm. You realise where you fit into a production, exactly. and how much work goes on in different places. Because it's very easy to forget that, I think, in two years where you just focus on yeah. doing a play. Yeah. Um, and Owen, you've, you've directed at school before, haven't you? Yes. Uh, more than once. I think this is my fifth. This is your fifth? Guildhall, yeah. So what, I mean, is, uh, is this cohort of actors different to um, the, the ones you worked with before in, in certain ways? And what I mean, keeps you yeah, coming back? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're yeah. probably the worst bunch that you've ever I mean, each group has a different dynamic to it and there are different patterns and some some groups clearly have uh, different relationships and cliques within them and what's lovely about this group is that they're I, I'll get no sense of that they're um they're incredibly warm incredibly generous uh, and really committed which is a, a, an exciting thing for me to work with um actors who are really really hungry and just throwing absolutely everything at him uh, they're really bonkers they're kind of bonkers as well they all went out clubbing in Manchester this weekend oh, yeah. uh, so they all went up the whole lot of them up to Manchester oh, just to get a sense uh, of the in character went out uh, really? Ne- really nearly got robbed nearly got beaten up great stuff uh, chowing up people in a Manchester nightclub in character Manchester stays in Manchester uh, great and I love that you know and yeah. Niall, Niall's character in the play takes his girlfriend home to meet his uh, his parents, and that's a big issue in the play. So over the summer, Niall took the cat, the girl Elaine, who plays opposite she him. She met my family. Took it, her home to to see how that feels, and I love that. There's a real richness and a and a hunger by this lot to did, sort of. Did you try have to pretend out. that she was your girlfriend? So no, my parents knew it was fine. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just sort of you. We had so many opportunities to try stuff out. Like I went to Bristol because we both go to Bristol Uni in the play. So we were able to go to Bristol and walk around the uni and see the big library there and explain why I'm here to research for a play. And pe- whenever you say that, people are always so excited and enthusiastic. And then, yeah, she came back to meet my parents and that in itself was quite a, an experience, just being on the train together and you sort of, then you chat about how would the characters be feeling, how, what is it like when you actually bring someone back to your, your environment, so... Yeah, I think that's what's been great about this. And obviously going clubbing in 
um, horrible <laughs> nightclubs in Manchester and London. So many wow. Fights. For a couple of nights. So a lot of fights. In the street, people, other people, not us. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> great to it's great to know you go to such lengths to research your roles. Um, I can't wait to see the play. Um, good luck to all of you, and thank you ever so thank much you. for thank you so coming much. in and giving me your time. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks to all of our cast and crew and to you at home for listening. You can find more information and buy tickets for the show online at gsmd.ac.uk.